You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of Two and Out as we all prepare for Thanksgiving in Canada. Sheldon Jones, what is on your ideal Thanksgiving plate, my friend? Well, we've got to have my mom's hash brown casserole. That's a staple every year. It's freaking delicious. Tell me uh, about this hash brown casserole. Is it uh, the standard that's got cheese, melted butter, hash browns, mushroom soup kind of thing? Yeah, cream cheese, sour cream, Ooh, yeah. corn. Sometimes cornflakes on top. Sometimes she does like a stuffing on top, like stu- just random stuffing mix, and then like dry. Oh, it's so good, man! Yeah, you gotta, you get, man, you're getting the texture on there. And I, I keep telling my wife, if we put little bits of corn throughout this and bacon, we could elevate it to the next level. But I think she's a bit of a traditionalist. And I love me some hash brown casserole. Although, one time, <laughs> I think the recipe we use calls for half a cup of butter in it. Well, we accidentally doubled the butter. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, I'm like... I don't know. Halfway through a portion, I'm like, I don't think I can eat. Like, <laughs> I don't think I can do this. <laughs> it wreaked havoc on our uh, guts for a oh, few yeah. days, but it was totally worth it. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then you got to have the turkey, uh, a little bit of dark, a little bit of white. Uh, and I got to find a piece with the skin on it because turkey skin is, mm, when it's crispy, nice. And then just like corn, mashed potatoes, dinner roll. You know, I'm kind of normal. Bless no cranberries. My, yeah, I'm not down with the cranberry sauce. No. Uh, bless my family who always sets aside the drumstick for me. I'm just full on mm-hmm. caveman. Uh, some fans of the Stampeders, Deb and Vince. Uh, I sat next to them at a Stampeders game last year with the Riders in town. And uh, <laughs> I came down the stairs with a turkey drumstick in my head. And when you buy that, I'm serious. McMahon Stadium, most underrated stadium in the league for food. And uh, (laughs) there's no civilized way to eat a turkey drumstick. (laughs) No. You just look full-on caveman. I love it. Um, I love them, but they're always so damn expensive. Like, they were like... 40 bucks i think at the x this year like just for one yeah like it was ridiculous i feel like at mcmahon stadium it was like 18 or 20 bucks you get the turkey drumstick you get some cornbread you get some coleslaw i'm like are you kidding me wow so mcmahon stadium actually has one good thing about it i'm serious the food there the baked potatoes you can get the pulled pork parfait the pocket dogs mcmahon stadium Props. I know you're on by this week, and I wish I could come by again this season, but I can't. Um, My (laughs) my Thanksgiving spread is very uh, Ukrainian-centered, of course. There's the uh, Nachinka, there's Nalichnika, there is uh, pierogies, obviously. There is cabbage rolls, obviously. Honestly, I could go without 
the the turkey. <laughs> you gonna give me? You gonna give me like an English for those first two things? Because I have no idea what the hell you're talking well, about. Well, uh, Nalishnika is almost like a. It can be done in different ways, but it's almost like a mini crepe or pancake. And uh, you can do different things in it, but like cottage dried sort of cottage cheese in the middle, but then it's in cream and dill sauce. I mean, there's really nothing bad about it. it maybe That's it sounds delicious. weird off the bat, but uh, man, I love it. The nachinka is almost a little bit of a, uh, like a cornmeal sort of square. I don't know. My, my mom and I really are the only ones that crush it, but I'm so thankful that she makes it for me. Uh, nice. It's well, like, yeah, this thing that gets baked, it's like a square. I don't know. It's yeah, good. It tastes good. Yeah. I grew up with it. That's all I know. Nice. <laughs> so happy Thanksgiving if you are celebrating and you are uh, Canadian because our American friends are, are weird and they wait like another six weeks. Um, thanks for listening to the show, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we are winding down the end of the season here. I mean, we got a few weeks left, but week 18 has the Argos home to the Elks as the Elks come off the bye and the Argos here. I think maybe a, a big reason why they were resting some guys is that they could unleash their starters at home on the big 150th anniversary celebration of the team. They were founded October 4th, 1873, and this is going to be a really special evening at BMO Field. I've heard there's going to be over 100 alumni in attendance here. There's going to be signings with Ricky Ray, Damon Allen, Conreg Holloway, Rocket Ismail's back in town, Terry nice. Greer, Mookie Mitchell, man, it looks like they're actually pulling out all the stops uh, for this 150th anniversary celebration. And, you know, just a uh, observation I made, it's it's amazing how many of these Argos alumni also have Edmonton connections. Ricky Ray, David Allen, and Mookie Mitchell all had success in the six and also I guess in the 780, man, it's kind of cool uh, to think about that. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very interesting. Kind of more recent, it seems like all the Calgary Stampeders are going to Toronto. So that's true. Uh, so it's it's interesting to know that that's happened with other teams back in the past too. Yeah, Rocket Ismail back in town. Now, that is a pretty cool, uh, I think, autograph to have if you, you'd be able to get that uh, surrounding that uh, 1991 Grey Cup team. What an era that was. And you can go to the Two and Out archives. We talked to Paul Woods, uh, the John Candy, Wayne Gretzky era of the Toronto Argonauts. And they counted down the top 150 moments in Toronto Argonauts history. You can find that on their website at argonauts.ca. And <laughs> what a fitting celebration because it's not like they're going to show up to BMO Field and watch a team that's been struggling. They're watching one of the best uh, Argonaut teams in a long, Ever. long <laughs> time. Like probably the best Argos team since Doug Flutie, they're an impressive, impressive team. And the Flying Hawaiian has signed a one-day contract to retire a Toronto Argonaut. 
3,863 all-purpose yards in 2012, the year that they won the 100th Grey Cup. Obviously, that's a CFL record. I don't know if we realize how special of a season that is and was. No, and it... (laughs) I know we had him in, in Rider Nation after that and never really kind of, you know, led up to his expectations here. But, yeah, he had an amazing career, uh, and it's it's good. I love when these players sign these one-day year or one day deals to come back with the team that they had their most success with. It's great for the fans, great for the league, great PR, just all around great. Back to the on-the-field stuff here. The Argos remain undefeated at BMO this year. 7-0, and and the crowds seem to be increasing. The enthusiasm in Toronto, they're flying the Argos flag at City Hall to mark the 150th anniversary of the team. I, I just feel like the Elks are coming into a tough, tough situation here, even though they're off the bye. Um, all the momentum is going Toronto's way. And even though they really, they've clinched first and all this stuff, I, I just feel like they're going to be wanting to put on a show for the hometown crowd. And look, they, they got to get those reps in. They, they don't want to get rusty before the playoffs. And I think they might be trying to, you know, pull off a few big plays here against Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, Kelly for sure is going to make sure that no rust develops. So I'm sure he's going to be looking to air it out and get up to a pretty sizable lead. I assume that's their plan, get up to a good lead and then they can start resting again. Uh, But that makes me kind of concerned about taking anybody in fantasy from the Argos, to be honest, just because you never know what's going to happen if they get a lead or if they go down. Uh, I do have one Argo spoiler alert, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because Edmonton coming off a bye, they should be nice and rested. Uh, they do have to travel across country, so that might make it a wash there a little bit. But it's going to be a tough, <laughs> tough battle for Edmonton if they want to if they want to win this game. Yeah, I realize the Elks want to play the spoiler, and I'm as big of a Trey Ford fan as anyone. But uh, do you think what the BC Lions did to the Elks and? how they limited their rushing attack. It's probably the blueprint that Toronto's going to follow here. Edmonton's going to somehow need to change it up and get that running game going. If we remember before the pie, the Lions hit Trey Ford early and often. Man, it looked like there were a few times there he was he was struggling getting up off the field here. Uh, that Argos front... Uh, the way that they got to Zach Kolaris. And I know Zach's mobile. He's not mobile like uh, like Trey Ford, though. They're, they're going to be forcing him to, to move, and but at the same time try to keep him contained at the same time. It has to be a key for the Elks to get that running game rolling again with Kevin Brown and Trey Ford combined if they're going to have success in Toronto Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cause that's how they're going to get, they're going to be able to spread the ball down the field afterward with Eugene Lewis. And uh, so it's, it's paramount that they get off to a good start. I know we say that a lot when it comes to road games, when they're the underdog, but they have to get to a good start. They have to score their first possession. 
if Toronto scores back. They, they basically have to match whatever Toronto's going to do to stay in that game to hopefully try to steal it late. Yeah, there were a few games in a row where the Elks were just absolutely dominant in the fourth quarter. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to fall too far behind Toronto, though. A little bit of a different no. beast. And the big playability and the way they make teams pay for uh, turnovers and also the field position that they constantly have uh, on the back of Javon Leak. Like, what yeah. a year he's had and how valuable he is to that Argos offense, putting them in good field position all the time. And, hey, last week, I, I thought Winnipeg could have better success through the air against the Argos. They, they've given up a good amount of passing yards. They just have. There are only two teams that average over 300 pass yards against this season. It's Ottawa and Toronto. Toronto's given up the most completions, but at the same time, they get ahead on teams and teams are forced to throw and the Argos maybe taking the foot off the throttle a little bit. That that mm-hmm. that probably contributes to it. They've given up 25 passing touchdowns. So maybe this is a game where Geno Lewis can have some success. There's still some players in the Argos secondary, experienced players that aren't going to be playing. Deshaun Amos dealing with a ankle injury. Josh Hagerty, uh, he's been ruled out with a shoulder injury. Jamal Peters also ruled out with uh, with a groin injury. So there you go. There is some injuries right now with some uh, pretty good players in that Argonauts secondary. So it's going to be key for the D-line to have as much success against Edmonton as they did Winnipeg, which we do know is possible. If we do look at the Elks injury report, it's also pretty long. Uh, DB Marcus Lewis has been ruled out. Scott Hutter out. Sam Achapong on the D-line out. Niles Morgan, the Elks leader on defense, the middle linebacker, leading tackler out. And Jamin Pelly, defensive tackle, has had a rough year with injuries. Well, now appendicitis. So he's ruled out for this year, and maybe he doesn't play uh, for the rest of the year dealing with uh, Dealing with that, that's tough. All the best to him. So the Elks defense experiencing some injuries. They're already inexperienced and young. So I guess that goes advantage Argos. And maybe they do put on a show. I I want to put them in my lineup. I want to have A.J. Olette in my lineup. The Elks rushing defense is giving up nearly 140 rush yards a game. But how many carries and how long is AJ going to play? That is the question I have, and I don't know if we'll know until watching the game on Friday night. So I guess that is a bit of a risk, uh, putting those Argos in your lineup. But as of right now, I've got them in my lineup. (laughs) So just like that uh, onside punt, there's a risk-reward in that as well. The second that's blowing half. up, by the way. That that's that's been quite a topic this week. We, I'm blown away. Yeah, I I love the engagement. It's it's been awesome. Yeah, the, I posted it on Reddit, uh, a little clip from the show, and now there's like seventy five thousand views on it. Like, we going viral. So it's it's funny. 
some people are reasonable and they say, oh, maybe we can modify the rule a little bit. Some people are like, oh, it makes the league look bush league. And then some say, I love it. Keep it in. So it it, it seems pretty split. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely polarizing. Because there's, there's some people who are very passionate about it. and uh, But again, we know it's it's great for the league. Keep it going. Let's go. Hey, us, we're a fan of chaos. We, we want to come up with more wacky rules, like four points yeah. on a kickoff through the uprights or keeping the ball alive on, uh, you know, bouncing off those uprights. Like, heck, yep. put uprights at the 55-yard line and just see what happens. Just <laughs> Let's not get too crazy here, bud. Come on. You're like the guy in that shirt there. You had a little too many hits to the head, I think, with that one. Yeah, I've had a few too many. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The BC Lions, home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Lions are one-and-a-half-point favorites here. The over-under at 51. Now, Sheldon, we thought last week was going to be the showdown of the year. Argos, Bombers. Well, this, my friend, I think, is the showdown of the year. The most important game of the regular season, probably, and uh, up until, you know, the playoffs, this, I think, is the game to watch. Teams have split their previous two meetings in Winnipeg. It's their first game in Vancouver, and it's the Gravy Bowl, brother. I love this (laughs) BC place. And we talked to Matt Baker with the BC Lions earlier this year. Normally they're left out of Labor Day. So they want to make Thanksgiving a thing in Vancouver. It appears uh, they've only got about a thousand tickets left in the lower bowl. They're opening up the upper deck to ticket sales. And why not? This is a big game. And (laughs) I guess at the tailgate pregame, Dwayne Vinot and Wade Miller the presidents for both respective teams are going to be scooping up uh, turkey and gravy for fans at That's DC awesome. Place. They're going all in. I I love it. Make an event out of this, and it helps that this game is so monumentally important. Yeah, this is the game that we should have got last week had Toronto not clinched first already. Um, I <sighs> It's two high-powered offenses, but their defenses aren't stingy or are are pretty stingy. So, like I said last week, if if Toronto would have played all their players, you're either going to get a shootout or you're going to get a defensive struggle. Hopefully, for us fans, I think a shootout it'll be a little better. But um, it, it's basically BC's passing attack with a mobile quarterback against Winnipeg's passing attack with the best running back in the league. So. I I can't wait. I hope these offensive coordinators just let them go, and uh, we we see like you know, let's get that over by halftime. Now, does this game and the performances from each respective quarterback go a long way into deciding who's going to be the most outstanding player nominee out of the West? Here are the stats, Sheldon. Vernon Adams Jr., 68.9% completion percentage. Nice. 4,005 yards, 28 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. He's also added 302 rushing yards and a touchdown. Then we got Zach, 67.7% completion percentage. 3,738 yards, 30 touchdowns, 
14 interceptions, 69 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Nice. So, VA's got the better completion percentage, more yards, less TDs, a couple more interceptions, more rushing yards. Zach's got the better touchdown-to-interception ratio. (laughs) If the Lions win this, and there's a big performance from VA, he might be the MOP. And I, I think it's fair to say VA hasn't exactly proven that he can win the big one quite yet. Yeah. And if he wins this, obviously it's a big one. The big one will be the West Final and the Grey Cup, obviously. The Lions haven't been in the Grey Cup since 2011. It's been a long, long time since they've gotten there. And I know VA puts the pressure on himself. But if he has his strong September, the the resurgence of the Lions after their struggles, I guess, in August, Mm -hmm. he might be the MOP of 2023. Yeah, like I either whoever between the two of them comes out of the West, they still have to go against Chad Kelly. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But their stats are pretty much a wash if you think about it, just because, you know, VA's up a couple and Zach's up a couple. But honestly, I think that goes to VA's favor because Zach, he's, yes, he's playing still awesome, but he's not playing as awesome as he has before. And he has that expectation now, whereas VA has always had that expectation where he's not the elite quarterback. He's a serviceable guy. He's the dependable guy, but he's not the elite guy. And he's showing this year that he is. He's had one, maybe one and a half bad games this season. Man, that game was six INTs against the Argos. If that doesn't happen, that's his, ra- say. <laughs> his ratios are a lot, a lot yeah. better to say the least. Yeah. And uh, so this game definitely will the voters will be watching for sure because when you're going to decide who should be an MOP, I guess playing against the other candidate and seeing what you can do should bear a lot of weight in my opinion. So yeah, I, I, I would, I would say whoever's the better quarterback in this game will come out of the West as the MOP candidate. I just, I think he needs to prove he can win and he's a winner and I know He's got the heart. We've seen him play through pain. I I, I want to see lot of pain. VA win. Um, but Zach's still the king, brother. He yeah. wins the big one, the clutch situations. Hey, th- maybe they haven't been as consistent in the regular season, but let's see when November happens uh, if Zach is still going to be the dog to take down. The, the Bombers... Uh, could be getting back a very valuable piece of their special teams. Janarian Grant has been practicing this week, and he torched the Lions in 2022, to say the very least. He had a 97-yard kickoff return touchdown last summer against them. He had a 94-yard punt return touchdown against the Lions again during the regular season and a 92-yard punt return touchdown in the West Final in 2022. Janarian Grant, 
three of his five return touchdowns last year came against the Lions. For some reason, he's got their number. And if he's back, that instantly helps the Bombers. Their speed, their, their special teams and their return game has struggled since mm-hmm. his ankle injury. And if he's back, that is a dangerous, dangerous, uh, I think, prospect for the rest of Winnipeg's opponents going forward. Yeah, uh, he's going to have some rest, but honestly, what better team to play against than the team that you've had just a boatload of success against? Because yeah. that's going to that's gonna fuel his confidence, which maybe will supplement a little bit of that rust there. So, but at the same time, BC remembers that, and they're they going to be they're going to be watching that in film a lot, and so it's going to be a, a nice little chess match here to see which special teams unit comes out on top if Grant gets back in the lineup. And uh, I think Rick Campbell, he's he's been a special teams guy, so he he wants to he wants to have uh, success in that department against a returning Janarian Grant if he does mm-hmm. come back this Friday against the Lions. A matchup I'll be paying attention to is just a general one: the BC Lions rushing defense against the number one rusher Brady Oliveira in the CFL. Now. The Bombers, they beat up the Argos in the rushing game last week. Can they do the same against the Lions? That is going to be a very, very interesting thing here. And Jamarcus Hardrick in general against Matthew Betts. Are they going to be able to limit Ryan Phillips's unit up front uh, either in pass pro or in the rushing attack. This game's going to be an absolute battle in the trenches. Man, I'm excited for it. I'll be on the road, but when I get back on the PVR to watch this game, man, uh, I think we're going we're gonna to have some fun to watch. Are, are we going to see Matthew Betts staring into the camera? <laughs> the guy looks like a Terminator, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if I saw him, I would turn around and attempt to run. <laughs> Wouldn't get far, but I would attempt it. <laughs> Lions, Bombers, the Gravy Bowl, Friday night of week 18. Oh, I want gravy now. <laughs> now uh, we go to Saturday where the Rough Riders are home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Riders are three and a half point favorites here. The over-under of 49. Now it is Legends Night at Mosaic Stadium. And you know what, man? We were, and I think Rider Nation, looking forward to celebrating the 2013 team being 10 years since that magical season in Rider Nation. But the loss of George Reed has kind of changed things, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I know, excited to talk about the 2013 team and everything that surrounds that. Darian Durant coming back to town. And Darian has even been asked about George Reed. And that just speaks to the titan that he is. And will forever be in Rider Nation. His celebration of life is this Friday at the Viterra International Trade Center. Uh, fans are encouraged to wear their best Rider green. 
on Friday with doors opening at 1130 and uh, the celebration of life is scheduled to run from one until three. I think Friday will be a powerful day in, uh, in Regina as uh, fans will be able to pay their respects to number 34. Yeah. Like, like it feels like a state funeral to be honest, because kind of in, in, in Ryderville, like in Regina, we don't have another professional sports team. So these guys are like gods. They're like presidents. They're like everything. So, and especially when like George Reed is, if he's not the best, he's one of the top two or three running backs in history. Like, and so, and but it's not even just what he did on the field. It's what he did in the community. He stayed here. He he could have left for greener pastures, but he didn't. He he liked the ones he had here, and it's gonna be it's it's gonna be rough. Uh, I'd say to say goodbye to him. And 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 Tammy was telling me that I guess on Saturday night, I think they're gonna be lighting up his spot with some lights in the stadium wow. there at nighttime. And uh, man, I got chills. You say that? Wow, <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, and it like as soon as we get to the stadium, of course, that's the first thing we're going to look at, right? Is up where George sat because it was it was where I sat before I started getting tickets with you and using up your your season tickets. So it's gonna be a sad day, but then yeah, it's it's we're celebrating the 2013 Riders, and that was the best time in Rider Nation. So it's. It's it's lots of highs and lots of lows. Yeah, it's a it's one of those days, and I mean it is Legends Night, and that 2013 team did play at the house George built. Yep. So, uh, talking about Taylor Field and all the memories that happened there, and it just so happens that the Tie Cats were uh, the opponents in 2013. I wonder if that's a coincidence, Sheldon. Uh, <laughs> you, you kind of think so. Like again, football is scripted, but I think they um, probably looked at the scan and said, "Hey, let's do it this night." Well, it, it is the it is the weekend or the the time of the year for the Plaza game anyway. So maybe yeah. Craig Reynolds said, "Hey, scheduler, give us tie cats this time." But uh, yeah, but the the good thing for Ryder fans though is. The team has nothing but everything to play for here. Yeah. So if they, if the team comes out flat, then we know there's serious problems because they're they're going to be pumped up because all those players from the 2013 team are there and they're going to be, I'm sure, having a nice reception with the team. You know, the night before they they have the plaza induction and all that stuff. But they're going to be thinking about wanting to play for that that legend George Reed who he came and he talked to the team all the time. And if they're not going to run through a wall for both of those situations all in the same night, then who boy, we got problems, but I'm thinking positively here. We're going to, we're going to steamroll the tag cats on Saturday. Much like the Argos and mm-hmm. uh, wanting to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the team. It just feels like maybe the riders will be able to, uh, discover that emotion again that they had Labor Day when the Bombers were in town. Uh, if if yeah. they do not, and they're not able to harness that energy Saturday, then yeah, th- there's there's big problems. 
<laughs> yeah. in in Rider Nation, that's for sure. But it, man, if you do look at the you know the injury report here, Derek Moncrief hasn't practiced. DB Jeremy Clark hasn't practiced here, uh, but Deontay Williams back practicing. Anthony Lanier the second back practicing. Tremaine Washington uh, is practicing as well. Uh, there's some illness going on in the team. Jackson Ford, Peter Godberg, Godfrey Onyeka, all dealing with that right now. And the Riders are coming off Christian Albright being uh, named a player of the month in September. He might be one of the late season heroes and additions to the Rough Rider lineup. If they're able to get some right bodies back into place and have him on the field... That Rough Rider D-line, they're going to have to keep playing at a high level to keep the defense in games. Because over the last four or five games, the rush defense hasn't been successful at all. And without being able to pressure the quarterback, the secondary has been left out to dry. So that is a key here. But what are we going to get from the Ticats? Could we be seeing number 19 behind center? I don't know if he's going to play. At the same time, I, I don't trust the Ticats as far as I could throw them. <laughs> Last week, uh, I don't know. There was some confusing messaging, I thought, uh, when Matthew Shields got in there. And why not? Uh, he got in there. I think he had six completions for almost 200 yards. So they were they were having success with the big play against the Stampeders. Bo has been on the six-game injured list twice this year. The last time he got in was just such an unnecessary, stupid injury. It shouldn't happen. But besides the point, he's been splitting first-team reps with Matthew Schultz. They're still listing him as limited in practice. Uh, I think they're going to... I don't know if he'll play this week, but they're going to start working him back into the lineup, and I think they are going to lean on number 19 go and that experience going into the playoffs. This year, though, when we've seen him, it's been such a mixed bag. It's He looks like the, the old surgeon that could pick apart a defense at times, and then the next time it's going the other way, <laughs> a completion to the other team here. If you're the Thai Cats, you can't go into a game thinking, well, if Montreal beats Ottawa, they clinch second, whatever. They they have to at least make Montreal beat Ottawa so they can earn that home playoff game. If Bo's ready, are you putting him in? If he's 75%, are you putting him in? Uh. <sighs> It's hard. It's a yes or no question. If if it was any other regular season game against the Riders with how they've been playing, absolutely I put him in. But coming on the pressure that the Riders are going to be having with George Reed with the 2013 team, they're going to well, hopefully they're going to be playing like pinning their ears back and going. So I don't know if you want to put Bo into that. Maybe later in the game if it gets out of hand or if you know, Schiltz isn't getting it done. Uh, but I thought Powell was doing like, actually pretty decently. So I know he started off the game last week not great, but 
it, it seemed like a quick quick pull, but at the same time, Schultz played well when he was in there. So it seems like the Ticats have multiple options here. And uh, I know this is a long-worded answer, but I, I wouldn't play him this week. It'll be interesting to see what the Ticats do going forward. Now, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, and this is a conversation to be had, you know, after the playoffs with whatever happens there. But the amount of pressure that happened against the Ticats this year, hosting the Grey Cup, the, the amount of success and how close they've been to that Grey Cup over the few years, and then <laughs> the rough start to the season, fighting back into it. I guess what I'm saying is that I think Taylor Powell has earned a spot on that team going forward. Will he be the starter in 2024? I don't know. But the reps that he has gotten this year, meaningful playing time, are so valuable going forward for his development. And he does look like a guy that's unfazed, that, uh, you know, the, the pressure doesn't bother him. So that's good going forward. But Bo's getting paid a lot of money. A lot of guys on that team getting paid a lot of money. If they don't get it done in November, it'll be interesting to see what the Ticats do look like in 2024. Terry Godwin uh, has been limited in practice. He didn't practice Tuesday. Um, but he was limited on Wednesday. He's been a very important part of that receiving core for the Ticats this year. Uh, obviously, Tim White, the number one guy, but uh, Terry Godwin has had quietly a very nice season. Duke Williams not in the picture anymore, and with Terry Godwin being consistent and Keandre Smith being a monster over the past couple weeks here, which I think allowed the Ticats to release a guy like Richie Sindani, who is now an Argonaut, by the way. We did not uh, mention that. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Ticats, <laughs> it's like it feels like they're going into a situation just like they were 10 years ago in the Great Cup. Just a, the deck stacked against them a little bit here on Saturday. Uh, let's see how they perform. And I've got James Butler in my lineup, but I don't feel good about any of the running backs this week, to be honest. So right now I've just got guys in the lineup. The Ryder Rush defense has struggled. They did well against BC last week, but uh, let's see what they do here on Saturday, an important day in Ryder Nation. The Ottawa Red Blacks are six-and-a-half-point underdogs as they head to Montreal on Thanksgiving Monday. If Hamilton loses to Saskatchewan, Montreal can clinch second with a win against Ottawa, and that would officially eliminate the Elks from the playoffs as well. If you would have told me when free agency opened that the Montreal Alouettes would be hosting a playoff game in November... I probably would have called you crazy. Props to Danny Machocha and Jason Moss for doing what they were able to do up to this point in the season. It's been pretty impressive, man. Yeah, uh, they have played together as a team. Uh, Cody has willed some victories that maybe they shouldn't have got. Uh, When he was hurt, they rallied. Uh, it's actually kind of funny because I thought that 
you know, when Jason Moss was fired in, in Saskatchewan and, and it was a foregone conclusion he was going to become the head coach of Montreal anyway, I, I kind of was like, oh, well, at least somebody has a worse head coach than the Riders do. But <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if that's the case anymore, to be honest. Like, especially over the last three weeks, he's he started to run the ball again. And he's using his weapons. And the, they did what they had to do. The, the East is, is always weaker than the West. But they got players in the, a couple late all-star signings with Lemon and Sankey on the defense. Like, what? in what world should a CFL team be able to sign both of those guys halfway through the season? You'd think maybe one. Yeah. Like two? <laughs> yeah. All, all they have is playmakers on defense. Mark antoine DeCroix, those two linebackers, Reggie Stubblefield, rookie of the year candidate, Tyrese Beverett, those guys are making plays all the time. All they have is playmakers on defense, and that's not even mentioning Almondo Sewell up the middle. I think a lot of people maybe thought he was on the tail end of his career when he left Edmonton. He's been just as good in Montreal. Yeah, and then on the offense, you know, they they still have one of the best running backs. Uh, (laughs) Tyson Philpott has been awesome in his second year there. Uh, Mac, like the Mac attack, like what a debut season! Like, wow. If Toronto wasn't as strong as they are, Montreal could be a favorite for the Grey Cup. Like, I, I, I still think Toronto is obviously a better team than them, but they have the tools, they have the weapons that anything can happen in this this year, especially. But Montreal is playing the way that you want a football team to be playing, you know, a month out of the playoffs. Now, there was lots of talk about Toronto beating Hamilton four times in a single season. Well, Montreal's 3-0 against the Red Blacks this year. And (laughs) I always say this about the Red Blacks. They impress me with their grit and their determination and the fact that they still fight and they still play, even if they're out of it. Mm-hmm. But where do the Red Blacks go from here? That only goes so far. Grit and determination and heart and effort. <laughs> it only goes so far. And I'm seeing impatience from many in our nation. Have yeah. you seen positive steps from Ottawa this year? Is there something to build off of going into 2024? That's tough. Uh, you would have thought crumb initially, but uh, that's kind of tapered off. Again, they don't quit. That's that's one thing because you know I watch a team every week that seems to quit. <laughs> uh, so that's that's definitely a positive. Um, so I think they do have good coaching. I think that. Uh, they're going to have to be active in free agency next year again, uh, but that didn't work this year. Uh, so it's tough. And I feel for those fans because they have been great fans. They still are great fans, but great fans can get upset and they can be justifiably pissed off when their team is going is doing what they're doing. So Hopefully they can turn it around. Uh, I don't think banking on Masoli anymore. I think you got to let that go. I think 
there's there's been quite a few upstart young quarterbacks this year that we've seen in game action. So maybe they roll the dice on trying to lure like a Dolagala away from the Riders or you know Schiltz or somebody trying try to roll the dice there again. But I think this is, next year will be the last chance that Bob Dice has. Uh, I don't think you give them more than that if they don't improve. So be very interesting. Hopefully they can start building some positives these last few games and they can start playing some of the players they haven't seen yet to see what they have for next year. But we need them to be a strong team. We Their fan base deserves it. So hopefully they can figure it out. I I think there's something to build off of with Crum. Um Devontae Williams is in his second season, and uh, over the yeah. last eight yeah. weeks, he's become a monster. True. I don't know if they have uh, the receivers uh, to, to have an explosive of enough offense. I'm a big fan of Jalen Acklin. They haven't been able to get him the ball enough this year. Uh, Justin Hardy is a good receiver, but they don't have what Winnipeg has. Shown, Lawler. Dembski, they don't have what BC has. Rhymes, Hollins, Hatcher, the list goes on. Toronto has Devaris Daniels, Curly Gittens, Cam Phillips, the list goes on and on with Toronto. The, the Red Blacks don't have that, and mm-hmm. I, I think that would be big for them. They, they need a Another 1A, 1B receiver for that offense. Sometimes it seems like it's been the same issues this year as there always has been. Uh, mm-hmm. Stalled drives. More field goals than than sevens. And that's been a problem that's gone back in Ottawa to the Trevor Harris days. Just being unable to finish drives. Yeah. Um, the rushing defense has been stellar. The secondary, not so stellar. It does seem, I don't know, that they're on the cusp. They they lost several several games here by one score. But uh, maybe they're back at a point where they they need to learn how to win again. Uh, losing Rick Campbell, probably a big, big loss for that franchise. But, man, the, the, the rumblings I see from fans... They, they they claim that the rot goes deeper than football ops. That this is a bigger conversation in in Ottawa. I don't think they're in. I don't think it's an existential crisis yet. <laughs> but uh, twenty twenty four will be a I think a big season for Ottawa. Can they at least play five hundred ball? Uh, I think that will be big for that franchise. That being said. A tough task going uh, t- to to Montreal here. Hey, they just saw him last week, and last week uh, <laughs> there was a lot of wacky stuff going on. <laughs> Onside yeah. punts, uh, the cameraman getting rocked. There was, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, forced fumbles with the punter's foot. A lot of this stuff just seems like bad luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the Red Flags. Uh, but the Alouettes with that home field advantage, Thanksgiving Monday, looking to clinch a playoff spot. Can the Red Blacks ruin that party? We'll just have to see on Monday. Okay, now looking at my fantasy lineup right now, it's Chad Kelly, A.J. Olette, 
James Butler, Dominic Ryans, Keen Schaefer Baker, Tommy Neald of the Argos, and I do have that Alouette's defense hoping for some turnovers slash sacks. Uh, hey, maybe Sean Lemon gets number 100 at home on uh, on Monday afternoon. Uh, what's your lineup looking like, man? Uh, well, I they're cheap, so and I, I they should be fired up. So I have the Riders defense. Uh, Vernon Adams is my captain. Uh, I have AJ Olette. William Stanback, Dalton Schoen, Sam Almulus, and Kean Schaefer Baker. All in on the green. <sighs> Usually you go against them. <laughs> I do. And so this is against my better judgment. But again, I think I think they have to be fired up. I think they have to, you know, try to get that crowd because that crowd's gonna be sad. We're gonna be sad at kickoff because we're supposed yeah, to be there 10 yeah. minutes before kickoff and that's when we're going to do a thing. So the, like the riders need a, a Mary Alfred return. They need a, a big play. They need to get. He's been quiet rocking. lately. Yeah. Well, he had the, the return against BC. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, no, the, I don't know, man. I, I usually don't like picking the riders, but I, I stopped short of picking Dolagala and everything. So <laughs> I'm week, still a realist. Week 18 of the CFL season. Let's lock in our picks. I got the Argos over the Elks. Okay, we'll, we'll save the game of the week for last. I do have the Riders over the Cats, the Owls over the Red Blacks. And I'm going to take the Lions over the Bombers. Earning first place in the West with a few games to go. What say you? I... Again, have everything the same as you. <laughs> Home team sweep. <laughs> hey, let us know in the comments on YouTube who you have winning the games in week 18. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher, and you can support the show on Patreon as well. You'll get early access to our Tuesday show. It's going to be a special episode of the show. Author Bruno Branco is going to be on the show. He's at ProStats Canada on Twitter and Instagram. He's got a new book that came out at the beginning of September called Bush League. If they were good enough, they'd be in the NFL. An interesting book where he can play, he compares players north and south of the border with some hard facts. So I think you're going to want to catch that conversation on Tuesday. And of course, if you're a patron, you get early access to that. I'm Travis Curra. Sheldon Jones, happy Thanksgiving, my man. Enjoy uh, the football game on Saturday and uh, enjoy whatever's on your plate this weekend, my friend. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 